All right, you guys, welcome back for another Edge of Fear podcast. I've got a friend of mine from college here today, uh, Brandon McGill, who I have not seen in like eight years, but we reconnected while I was on my travel journey as he was also traveling abroad, as he really has been since 2011. Uh, So I'm really excited for you guys to hear his perspective. So here we go. I'll see you on the other side. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Edge of Fear podcast. Hosted by Liz Basil Lewison at Liz Without a Pillow. Each week, I'll be bringing you some different insights, lessons, and laughs with an end goal of a more empowered and authentically happier human race. Everybody's got a story, and everybody's story is important. Let's do this. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. What's going on? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, I love what you're doing, and I'm excited to be here for sure. Thank you. I'm so excited. Will you tell us where you are right now? Yeah, so currently I'm in Bali, which is 12 hours ahead of you right now. So, yes, 8 in the morning, but it's pretty good, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it sounds pretty good. I haven't been to Bali. It sounds uh, and looks really awesome. Um, so what is, uh, what's your purpose for being there? What are you doing there? So I'm basically, um, you know, connecting to the magical energy of Bali, reconnecting, you know, for this next chapter, just turned 30. So I just wanted to come in with, you know, that momentum with the energy. So I flew here two days before my birthday. So I'm just soaking it all in. Nice. Well, happy belated birthday. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, because uh, you told me about Bali while I was in Italy a little bit, um, but there's like something very special there that makes it very different from the rest of the world. Yeah. And thank you for the birthday wish. Um, we are, so it, the way it sits on, you know, certain coordinates of energy on earth. So Bali sits on one of the, you know, most active energy sectors, if you will. And so when you come here, you know, if your body's in tune, then, you know, you're able to transfer that energy manifest at higher levels, you know. However, if you come, you know, and your body's not so much in tune or your mind, body, and soul isn't in tune, then, you know, it's a good holiday still, but (laughs) you will connect on that deeper level. So it's, yeah, it's it's where it's situated on the um you know in the world and I guess on the coordinates and so yeah, it's just pretty magical. <laughs> yeah, I mean I think it's like anything else, you kinda get out of it what you put into it. And so like if you believe that it's gonna be a more spiritual experience, like you probably have a more spiritual experience. Um, but if you go just looking to soak up the sun, that's what you're gonna get. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I just came here, you know, with that that intention already in my mind. So like you said, that's what's happening. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, and you were telling me about it the last time you were there. We don't have to uh, share the dirty secrets, but it sounded like it was a pretty spiritual experience the last time. And maybe, maybe the next time you visit the podcast, you can tell us about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I definitely had a... <laughs> A nice spiritual awakening, you know, it took it to the next level. Um, Yeah, 
We'll definitely talk about that one day. <laughs> awesome. Um, so as you know, the podcast is called um, The Edge of Fear, which I'm so excited about. Um, the last time we had a rehearsal call because I couldn't get the audio right. Um, and I kind of didn't, I, I definitely did not know the title yet. Um, and so now that I have the title, I'm excited because it's really, um, it's really like, giving me some purpose and some um, like a kind of a definitive line that I want to like start to talk about with each of my guests. Um, and so the reason that, and I actually haven't really talked too much about this class that I took last week, um, but I took a class in New York city last weekend um, called the landmark forum. And it was like a personal and professional development class. And it just really got me um, just seeing the world differently, which obviously um, you know, we've been in contact throughout my journey the last nine months or whatever um, that I was like traveling and you, you've kind of watched me um, start to see the world differently. You've watched a lot of the transformations and, you know, we've been in touch for some of them. Um, but this was like so fast. Like it felt like every like transformation, every epiphany that I had over the last year, it was like, you know, yesterday I was this person and today I'm this person, you know, I'm a completely different fucking person today. Um, and so that's how this class was. And the, um, the way that I like, I'm describing it to people is like 10 years of therapy in like three days. Um, because it was, you know, the intention of it where like, you know, when you go to another country or you go on a solo trip or whatever, maybe your intention is to like come out transformed. Maybe you have the intention of having a spiritual experience, but for the most part, you're just like, I'm getting rid of my responsibilities for a little bit and I'm going on a vacation. And that's like kind of what my, you know, my first three month trip was last year. But this was because it's a personal and professional development class, like the purpose of it was to come out like transformed. And so I went in with these like, limiting beliefs and my self-love and self-confidence has been like better this year than ever before. Absolutely. But it came out like I came out of the class and I was like, this is me. This is what I look like. This is who I am. And I'm just like totally cool with it now. And it's like, how did this fucking take me 30 years to be like, yep. Hey, that's me in the mirror. And this is me. Um, but so I'm really excited about it. So it, it was awesome. Um, and really I, I had to like, it was very confronting. Um, I had to, you know, I, I talked to my dad about like our relationship. I finally, uh, you know, talked to some other friends and some family members and ex-boyfriends and things like that. And so it was, it was very confronting, you know, these relationships that were like incomplete and something that we talked about in the class to make a long story long was, um, you know, you get to this, this moment where you're like, am I going to do it or am I not going to do it? Am I going to do it or am I not going to do it? Am I going to call my dad? Am I going to have this conversation, you know? And so the, the metaphor was like that you're almost at the edge of the cliff and like you've got your like your jetpack on and you're like ready to go, but you could either like back off because you're scared or you just go for it. And so that's really what I want to like get from my guests here is like, what was your edge of fear moment? Um, so I know a little bit about your story. Obviously my, you know, listeners don't know anything about your story. Um, so if you want to give us like three to five sentences on like your background a little bit, but really what I want to get to is like your, what was your edge of fear moment? What's like a big moment that like scared the shit out of you, but you had to just do it and push through. Cause that's what I want to, that's what I want to learn together with everybody is like, what, 
how do we like face it and how do we like push through with courage? So first off, like you said, um, watching your transformation is, is beautiful, you know, and like right now I can even see you glowing. So I'm very happy for you. Thanks. Um, <laughs> as far as, yeah, so my story, um, I'm from Washington, D.C. Um, I played basketball and ran track as a kid up, you know, through college. And so my edge of fear moment came when it was time to actually pursue this at the highest level, you know, a professional level in a different country. And the way that happened for pursue, me was... Pursue what? Track? Basketball? Yeah, so pursuing a professional basketball uh, career overseas because in high school, I basically had to choose between track and basketball. Mm -hmm. and so I ended up choosing basketball. Cool. Um, and, you know, the movie Love and Basketball had, I'm sure, a lot to do with it, but I was a huge Kobe fan. So it was just in my heart. You know, so I played throughout high school, college, and the biggest moment came when it was time for me to pursue this overseas. And it got to the point where, you know, I had to figure out a different way to do it. So I ended up choosing to do my master's degree in London. That way I can be in the position to go to these tryouts, maybe in Spain, Italy, et cetera. So when you were in so, um, high school and college, excuse me, sorry, when you were in high school and college, was that something that like, were you thinking like, I'm going to do the MBA? Were you thinking like, I just want to like keep doing this like for as long as I can? Like, what was kind of like your thought process? Like, did you have a plan or like a dream? Yeah. So my dream was actually from a vivid dream. I woke up, it was January 2005. And that was the day I decided that I was going to stop running track. I was much more advanced in track than basketball. And so back to the movie Love and Basketball, there's a scene at the end when Sanaa Lathan's character, Monica, she plays overseas in Italy, I believe. And for me, that was, you know, kind of a moment when I was like, hmm, I didn't even know that was You can do that? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it opens your eyes, right? Yeah, so... I realized everyone was always focused on the NBA and, you know, I was kind of realistic with myself early on just to know, you know, what level I can play at. Right. And mm -hmm. so to even play professional at any level, I knew that would fulfill, you know, my dream. And so right. yeah, that's what it's I It's the experience. To. It's not like the, the label on where you're playing. It's just like getting to keep playing, getting paid to play at all. I mean, Gosh, my exactly. little brother has an opportunity right now to play football and like, and I just am so fucking jealous. Like he's like, yeah, I'm missing, you know, I'm, I'm, cause he just graduated college and he's like, my dad was like, you missing training camp? Your boys go back already? And he's like, yeah. My dad's like, you miss it? He's like, yeah. I'm like, you're going to miss it for the rest of your life, man. Play as long as you can. Stay here as long as you can. Yeah. Like hold on to that. That's so true. It's so true because People don't realize, you know, like, it's not even the sport. It's that actual feeling of pursuing your dream, right? And as soon right. as you cut that off, a part of you dies. So for me, I wanted that to live on for as long as possible before I made my next move. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, so back to the edge of fear moment. It came when I was actually awaiting my acceptance letter, if you will, from the University of East London, which is where I did my master's degree. And, you know, looking back on it now, I realized that one of the international officers, she was leaving her post and someone else was coming in. So it was basically six months where I didn't hear anything. And so my family started to, you know, think that maybe I was scammed or it wasn't going to happen. 
So my biggest edge of fear moment was when I had to basically stand up to them and say, look, this is something I believe in. This is something that is real. This is something I'm going to pursue. You know, I'm not going to settle and get a government job or, you know, such and such. You know how parents, you know, they want the best for their kid, but sometimes they they want you to go the traditional route. So for me, that was something I had to stand up for. And so to stand up to them right before going to a new country, you know, that was my biggest moment of, you know, being on the edge of fear because I was like, I don't know anyone in London. Um, you know, the yeah. people that will back me financially in a crisis, I don't really want to rely on them because I of just how yelled I at them. Down, yeah. <laughs> I just exactly. yelled at them and told them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> like I'm doing right. this. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's scary. It's it's really hard to disagree with family and it's really hard to hear people that you want them to fucking support you and to hear them say like, you're getting scammed or this isn't a good idea or this isn't safe or you're being unreasonable. All of these things that people are saying because they don't really necessarily believe in it, but they don't have it in your heart like you do. So, I mean- it's so important for people to see that, that like, you're not always going to have people agree with you, but also like, besides that, that's okay. Cause like you have to do what is in your heart. Like it's also okay to fail. Cause like you, it turned out, everything turned out okay for you and we'll get there. But like for a lot of people, they'll go there and come back, you know, $10,000 in debt. And you know, they have to come back with their tail between their legs, but at least you've got that experience. Like you would never know if you didn't go and try. And so you have to like push yourself to that moment. But the anxiety of what if I come back $10,000 in debt is enough to keep a lot of people, a lot of people from going, but it doesn't stop us from college. You know, like, you know, you're going to get out of college with like 40 to $140,000 in debt. And yet we fucking go anyway. So like, I don't know. It's just like the way that we reason our way out of things is really shitty. So, all right. Well, will you tell me about how that, like, how that kind of, like, what do you remember of that conversation? I know this is like a reach, like, but like, do you have any regrets about how it went down? Like hindsight now, would you have, would the, how would the conversation have gone now versus how it went then? Cause it's hard. Like when I had to confront my dad last weekend, like, and I was going home to like, I'm living at home right now since May. And so I'm going back. I know when I leave New York City on Sunday night, I'm going back home and I have to see him. So it was like a little different. Like you knew after this conversation, you're getting the fuck out of Dodge. But like, (laughs) it was, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot there. This is your parent. This is your family. Like your support your whole life. The thing about family is everything can always get escalated very quickly because family knows how to trigger family, right? Yeah. They know all of everything, everything, everything. They, and they, those low blows come easy because they know. Exactly. So for me, it was a matter of not only did I feel like I was being challenged or having my dream challenge, I felt like personally I was just being challenged you know as a man and if I'm making the right decisions family triggers you and so when you're looking to jump off the cliff as you said earlier everyone is just telling you like you know if it doesn't go if it doesn't align perfectly like if you say you're going to receive something on the 10th and by the 14th you don't have it then they're just like see you got to just go ahead and you know what I mean yeah they're freaking out for you once Right. So once that happened, 
it's like the stress levels build, right? And the tensions mm -hmm. build and you feel like you're on your own in a sense because you just, you see the vision clearly, but you can't explain it to anyone. That's right. how I felt. Right. And so the conversation, you know, got pretty heated, like to the point where I packed everything and just went outside and was about to call someone to pick me up. I don't even, I can't remember what happened, but um, the letter that I needed to come in actually came in like four or five days later. Wow. And we didn't speak during that time. And I was basically having to book a flight uh, within the next week. And so it went from this big fight to it's not real. You got to give it up, do a job, blah, 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 to me saying my flight leaves Tuesday morning. Wow. Right. So, you, yeah. you know, when you have that feeling, it was kind of like I just suddenly went down as like I'm, I'm flying to London Tuesday, you know, and then obviously the next couple of days it was like, oh, we'll have to go out for dinner and do, 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 do. celebrate. Yeah. Cause, right. they, Cause they let it go really easy. Like, I mean, somebody's holding on to some anger here, but mostly they, they know they're going to miss the shit out of you and they know you're going to, you're about to have the time of your life and you were right. So obviously they feel a little bit bad, but they're not saying, Oh, we're so sorry. Like we should have believed in you. They're just like, Oh, well let's celebrate. Everything's fucking totally fine. Exactly. And so when you, when you take that, well, when I took that on the plane, because I flew out actually September 11th, 2012, when, you, when you're when you on the plane, I'm just thinking, but I have a smile on my face because it's like, this is how it was supposed to happen. You're going to where you're meant to go. You stuck to it, even though everyone was telling you it's not real. Everyone was saying this. So when I went there with that confidence, it's basically what allowed me to manifest the next seven years, you know, up until this point, because I knew what I did then, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, it's huge. It's huge. But one thing I will say is, you know, you have to write these things down. And for me, like I told you, I actually had a vivid dream and I woke up January, 2005 and I wrote the date on my wall because it was just so that clear. crazy. Yeah. So, so clear. clear. Right. Yeah. So I knew it was going to happen, but how can you tell other people that, you know, because people think I'm crazy anyway. Yeah, yeah I'm only exactly. Just, <laughs> I'm, I'm only with just you, accepting man. that now. I'm only just <laughs> accepting it now, but like, <laughs> so. Yeah, it's that, it's that looking in the mirror and saying, this is who I am. This is what I look yeah, like. Exactly. And this is how I am. Like, and, and really accepting that is like the first step. I mean, it's so funny because I really thought that I accepted it in myself like last year. And I was like, this is me now. But like after like this weekend's transformation, I'm like, nope, nope, this is actually me. <laughs> this is like, because I just like, I mean, I don't know, man. So, so, all right. So you have this kind of fight with your family. It doesn't really turn into a falling out though. They stayed in touch with you while you were gone that first year or were, how, how pissed were you? Like how long did you hold yeah. on to that anger? I mean, I I would be lying if I said I probably don't still have some of it in me right now. Um, so that could be a reason I'm on the other side of the world. I don't know. Um, but I definitely think, you know, like I don't hold any resentment over it. I just think that is kind of effed up in the sense that it had to go down like that. Um so, but for me, I think everything is a learning experience, right? So yeah. I know if I have a son or daughter, when they're in that position, 
I know what they need from me. You know what I mean? So I I want to look at it as a positive, like as just something to learn from instead of holding on this anger. So I think actually when I've been in Bali, these, you know, when I was here in March and then now again, um, like those are just things that I'm letting go. Like I'm facing them head on. Mm-hmm. And so it was good that we're talking about it now. But yeah, so when I got over there, you know, of course I wasn't really contacting them. I was just, of course well, I would email like, like. You're like living your life, like having the fucking time of your life. So like, you're not really, I mean, I left on perfectly fine terms and I wasn't talking to anybody. At home cause I'm like, I'm out here like doing my thing. Don't even bother me. I'll text you if I need something like, but I'm good. Don't bother me. So. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. That's how it was. So it was, um, yeah, it was huge. And so for me, literally when I was there in December, I actually, you know, this was another point on the edge of fear. Only three months after arriving is I didn't realize how expensive London was, right? So back in 2012, <laughs> one pound got you like a dollar 82 cents. Right. To put it in perspective, right now, one pound only gets you a dollar 20 cents, mm-hmm. right? So for every dollar I was spending, it was double. And so I pretty much maxed dollar, out. Yeah um three three or four credit cards right in three months because my pride wouldn't allow me to you know ask my parents for financial help and so the way I got out of that situation is something that I could never recommend to anyone and it was just pretty much me going to the casino and using whatever skill set I thought I had or that I had or luck whatever you want to call it and I was literally, you know, paying myself through my master's in London by doing that because I didn't want to say like, oh, I need blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I remember our uh, our was... mutual friend from college telling me about that. So I was like, how did you get all this money to invest? And he yeah. was like, he was like, oh, BJ was going to the casino with my money and coming back with a double. I was like, that is not like a realistic way <laughs> to like crazy. earn money. So I mean, but I, all part of the plan, I guess. Like, yeah, I like that you said, I don't recommend this to anybody. <laughs> but here we are, right? I don't. I really don't. Yeah. So, but I think you do, you know, to people listening, have to figure out their skill. So it just so happens for me, I did actually start, you know, gambling from a young age. Just, I don't know. Like, you know, so it was a part of me. So although it sounds super crazy for me, it was kind of just a thing that I did, you know, like people play poker, people do, you know, whatever people golf. That's just what I did. So one of my girlfriends from high school. One of my girlfriends from high school. Her dad actually made a living playing poker. So it it does sound crazy, but I do know personal people. I mean, and she had a sick house with a sick pool. They weren't broke, you know. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. So once I got there, and I realized, like we spoke about before, the edge of fear that I felt, but the satisfaction and joy that I felt from pursuing my dream, I basically created international sport recruitment and that was going to be a way for me to help other student athletes in America do the same thing because I didn't really have any guidance. I just figured it out blindly, you know? Um, And so although I did my basketball career and that took off, I had to postpone international sport recruitment, but I ended up launching it five years later. 
And so for me, my goal, like my journey was, you know, great. I loved every minute of it. But for me, helping other people experience the same thing, you know, gives me more satisfaction because, you know, you can see the smile on their faces. They're traveling to Italy, Portugal, Spain, and all these places, you know what I mean? Right. So, and so like you me, helped create that, like they didn't have that opportunity. They didn't have that knowledge. Maybe they had a, like a dream or a vision, but they didn't have like the, the path to do it. And so like, you've created that. That's awesome. Exactly. So I think like, um, is that you know, still exists? Are you still to... running that? I'm sorry. There's like a slight delay. So every time yeah, I, yeah, you're yeah. pausing, I'm like trying to get something in and then you start and I hear it over it. I'm sorry. But is, are you still running that or do you have, did somebody buy that from you? Is it still going? Yeah, no, I'm running it. So right now, um, applications actually just closed last week. So I'm, yeah, you know, we're still, we're going into our fourth year coming up. So yeah, that's cool. Do you want to put a good. plug in for that? What what's the website they can find that at, or app w- or whatever? www.intlsportrecruitment.com. <laughs> cool. And on I'll... Instagram, it's the same. It's at intl sport recruitment. Yeah, you can plug it in. I'll I'll put it in the uh, in the show notes too, so you guys can find that if you if any of you are at that age where you are still looking to play sports, or if you have younger brother or sister who is looking to play sports international, I'm gonna get with you about this after the show because my brother is looking to play football over national <laughs> international. Um, all right, so sorry, keep going. Sure, sure. Yeah. So what I was saying is, I think that our generation has to recognize what we what we saw as challenges, you know, growing up or what we learned that we had to unlearn and now we see the world in a different perspective. I think we're the ones that have to create these different platforms to help the next generation, you know, avoid the pitfalls that we had. You know what I mean? So I see a lot of like on social media, what people do is when they unlock these opportunities for themselves, you know, what happens is they boast, and brag about it to basically, you know, show off to their friends and what have you. But I don't think that's something that actually helps other people because if you made it and you pursued your dream, why are you not telling others how to do the same? You know what I mean? So this this separate and this ego tripping that we have is something that I think we definitely need to, you know, tackle. And I think podcasts like yours and Edge of Fear and people talking about what they did in certain situations is going to help a lot of people because there's thousands of people who are going through things and they just don't know if they should jump. And we're basically telling you, yes, you can jump because at the end of the day, the safety net will always be your parents' basement or you can get a job down the street or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, and, and if you don't have that, customer. like you have to like, I mean, be a good person, be a good friend to people. And then you have the safety net of your friends and family. Like it doesn't have to be your parents. And if you are so unfortunate, misfortunate, sorry, that you don't have, you know, friends or family, there are homeless shelters. Like there's, there's, you have to be willing to hit rock bottom to be able to go for a fear. And I think that if you're not willing to fail and you're not willing to mm-hmm. like to get in a hole, then you're not taking enough risks. And it's not easy to take risks. It's scary. I'm not trying to downplay that at all. But I, I think you, I mean, you, you couldn't be more spot on. And I think that part of that, like, that, like, 
you know, tight ass, tight lip, like business outlook is like, I can't share my, what's worked for me with you. I can't share my secrets with you comes from, you know, I mean, that's like ingrained in our society. That's culturally ingrained because it used to be, you know, the secret sauce, like McDonald's and KFC couldn't share their secret sauce because somebody's going to steal it. Like nobody's trying to steal your exact same thing. Everybody's going to put a spin on it. And I think that like, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at with why I was like, I need to launch this podcast. Cause I kept being like, I'm not doing it. There's already so many people on this platform. There's already so many people with like this, like mind, body, spirit, like niche and like there's just there's too many people and then the more I thought about it I was like nobody has my exact fucking story like I don't I know I know people like to talk to me I know I like to talk like I can do this let's fucking do it and like if you're just if you just let fear stop you and if you let people who aren't supporting you stop you I mean like your parents never got to play basketball overseas why are you gonna listen to them about how to play basketball overseas. Like you can't, they didn't do what you want to do. And we all have our own vision. And I love that your vision changed and like transformed. And like, so you got to live your dream and now you're getting to help other people do the same. And not only that, but like you're like, you're paving the way and your vision has changed and is growing with you. And I mean, giving back and helping people. I mean, I'm not saying I've made it. I know I'm not I'm not there yet. I'm not where I want to be, but I know that I'm helping people. Like I've already had two people ask me how to launch a podcast. I'm like, I took a class. I'm fucking still learning. I mean, you are the first person to see all the audio problems I'm having over here, but like, it's just, it's so cool to be able to help somebody. I mean, I'm, I'm only a half a step ahead of them. You know what I mean? I'm six episodes in, like I'm not, I'm no expert. Like we're jokingly calling me the expert over here, but I have no fucking clue what I'm doing. And that's part of it. At the beginning, you're not going to know what you're doing. And, but like, you can still share that because sharing that part, the I'm still scared shitless part is the part that gives somebody else the confidence to say, okay, I can do this then too. Like, it's going to be scary. I'm not going to be that good at the beginning. Like we're, you know, by not sharing it, it's saying that like, you know, the people at the top, never failed. They always knew exactly what they wanted and everything was really easy. And that's not the way it goes. Like how many times did we think that they fucked up that secret sauce before they got it? You know, the right ingredients. Like that's, that's what it's all about is the journey and like getting there. So like sharing your journey. I love that. I'm so excited that like now you're able to like give back and you have so many other projects going on and they're all like for the greater good, basically. I mean, or your, your idea of what the greater good is. And, and I think that that's, that's what it's about. Like getting people on board and like just showing them like you, you can make a difference. Everybody can. Yeah. I can't agree more. Like, and specifically what you said, which I think is like something people need to hear again. If you're not willing to hit rock bottom, your life basically does not start. Right. Once you hit rock bottom, you have nothing to lose and you you figure out exactly who you are because at that point, you look within, which is what we all should do, right? The way we live our lives now is what is Kanye doing? What is Kim Kardashian doing? What is the celebrity doing, right? But once you hit rock bottom, there's no way in the world you're thinking about that, right? You're right. like, wait, what am I doing? Right. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so. I think that's so huge that you said that. So I just wanted to repeat it just so they can hear it again. You know, like, 
life does not start until you hit rock bottom, you know what I mean? Um, and it doesn't, like, we're not saying you got to be out in the streets homeless. I just mean in the sense that rock bottom, meaning you're in a place where you're miserable and you just, oh, you're aware of it. And you're yep. like, I'm going to change, I'm going to change my surroundings because I want to be happy, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's huge. And for me personally, like you said, it's the journey and just being in the present moment is something that I'm focusing more on now. And so um, each year for my birthday, I manifest the next 12 months. And I also do, you know, 18 months, three years out, et cetera. Um, so every day when I wake up, I know what I'm working towards, you know what I mean? Because I've already written it down. So I think that's a huge, a huge, huge asset for people to have is a pen and paper, you know, get a journal and a pen and literally whatever you write, you know what I mean? You're thinking about it. And so it's going into the universe. Then you're, you're writing it down. It's going in the universe twice. And if you think about it every day, if you share it with close friends, now it's subconsciously in their mind. So it's going to happen a lot quicker because, you know, you're letting the world know what you want, who you want to be. And so for you, everyone knows like you're doing a podcast, right? So how could you not be successful? Because we see you as Liz has a successful podcast. She's doing this. She has her journey. She's going through a transformation. And so for me, being able to watch you go from, you know, going shooting your first video to having like this whole setup that's why I'm gonna keep calling you an expert because it's like you went from from zero to where you are now by just you know accepting this is what I want to do and I'm just going to do it right and so what people don't realize is every day that goes by that they don't follow their dream someone else is exponentially growing theirs just because they took a chance on themselves. So I'm extremely happy and proud, you know, that, that you're doing what you're doing. So that's why I'm excited to even be on the podcast to share, you know, my journey, but also to share in, you know, your journey as well. Thanks, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm so proud of me too. And it's like really cool to be able to say that and like really mean it. Cause like for so long, like we're told that like modesty and humility is like the most important thing. And like, I even, I heard somebody say it the other day and um, somebody was like to another, there was, it was one woman speaking to another woman and she was like, you're so cute. And the woman was like, I know I get that all the time. And she was like, kind of kidding. But then the first woman who gave her the compliment was like, and modest too. And she was definitely kidding. And so like the whole exchange was like joking, like it was in jest. So I wasn't like going to say something, obviously, like it wasn't my conversation anyway, but I'm like, why the fuck can she not say, I get that all the time? Like, let her fucking say that. Like, let her have the moment. You just fucking gave her a compliment. And we're all just like taught that it's like not okay to be proud of yourself. And it's not okay to like, you know, uh, like keep, keep your keep your matters private, keep your business private. You know, don't, don't tell anybody what your dreams are. No, you got to manifest the shit out of that. Like you, you were one of those, I mean, I had a couple of people that I like met on my journey, the first three months of my, of my trip, the, the three month trip that I took last year that they were like, do you have a YouTube channel? Like, do you, do you have a blog? Like, what do you, and I didn't have anything at the time. I had my personal uh, Instagram account. And like, I was sharing a little bit on little bits on Facebook and Instagram and that was it. And you reached out to me over the winter and you were like, what are you doing with this? Like you, 
Like what's going on with your Instagram? Like do more, like people want to see more. And you were one of a handful of people that said that to me. And because I had heard it and heard it and heard it from a bunch of people, I was like, you know what? I deeply want to do this. I'm going to just do it. And it started with a blog and went from the blog, you know, and the Instagram to Instagram videos. I was just like reposting other people's shit. And then every time I reposted something from somebody else's idea, I'm like, well, I've fucking better idea than that. And I'm going to post that too. And then when I went to videos, it was like, this is way easier than writing. Like (laughs) I like writing and writing was nice, but I'm like, I don't read anything. Everything that I consume is audio. I listen to podcasts. I listen to books. I'm not fucking sitting down and reading the newspaper. And I don't fucking think anybody is except old people now. Sorry if there's any old people (laughs) listening to this. Like I respect you, but it's just (laughs) like my, my gift is my story. And so like, I just, I'm, I'm so proud and thank you so much for saying all of that. Like, I really appreciate that. Um, and I, you know, I respect you and I value your opinion. Um, and that's why I have you on here and I'm so excited for you to be here. Um, but I, I really love, um, I, I just, I just love that. Like you, you had a clear vision because not everybody has that, but a lot of people do. And I think that we see something for ourselves and we see something in ourselves and we're too busy being fucking modest and humble and afraid that we don't go for it. And like, you need to have a little bit of support. So like, that's part of, part of this whole, like part of what the Instagram was is like, we're being assholes to each other, like, and ourselves. And we're like telling our friends, like, don't do that. That's stupid. Or you look stupid or you sound stupid and we're not supporting each other. So like lift your fucking people up, man. Like if your circle isn't lifting you up, then you're with the wrong circle. But also like you have to take those leaps of faith and not listen to people when they're being assholes to you. If you have a vision, go for it. And so I love that you like went for the vision, even without the support of your family. I mean, I'm very fortunate that for the most part, my family really has supported me. Um, but like the, the very real confrontation that I had with my dad two weeks ago after this class in New York city was a result of feeling unsupported by him as a child. And now as an adult, I realize so many of the things. Oh, I just remembered something I wanted to say to you before about if you decide to have another conversation with your parents. Um, but it's really, it's really easy to not be supported by people. But so a perspective that I learned in the class that I really want to share with my listeners, I keep trying to think of like a way, how am I going to get, how am I going to like easily schmooze this piece of information in? Um, but the, the perspective that I learned was, um, so I'm 30 now. When my parents were 30, they had four children. What I know about the world right now if I already had four children, I would have fucked them up already for sure. Like there's no way that I would have been able to like raise children successfully. So every mistake that they've made throughout our lives, they're dealing with their own bullshit. They're healing and they're probably not healing as well as we're healing. And so I loved what you said before about like our generation is trying to pave the way and we finally have an opportunity to, but I really just think that like, we, as kids, there's no way for us to recognize all of the sacrifices that our parents are making, all of the good things that they're doing. We're just blaming them for shit. I was like, you know, I was, em- exactly. I was embarrassed because I would be the last one picked up sometimes because I have three brothers and sisters. So like, 
you know, my parents are running around picking kids up all over the place. They both were working by the time I was in middle school and high school. My mom was, you know, a stay at home for the first few years of my life, but she went back to school and, or she went, well, she went to school later, but she went back to work and, you know, we weren't the only thing going, I wasn't the only thing going on in their life. So sometimes I would be the last one picked up from middle school like soccer practice or whatever. And I was like, so embarrassed. Like my parents don't love me. My parents don't care about me. I'm not important. I felt like I wasn't loved and I didn't belong and I wasn't supported. And I've carried those stories with me through life. And like, no wonder I felt unsupported by the college that I chose to go to and the boyfriend I chose to date in high school and, you know, all of these things. And I'm like carrying this anger towards my dad that I developed at, you know, 12 years old and and when he's just trying to figure it out too he's just trying to make a home for his family and he's you know 11 years older than I am now like holy shit I'm not gonna have I mean I hope I have something figured out in 11 years but like I'm only just now learning anything about life in the last one year of life so I can't imagine being 20 something and having three or four kids like entire lives dependent fully on me. I mean, that's really serious shit. And so I never realized that until I talked about it in this class. My instructor brought it to, you know, our attention because we just, we like to give blame for the negative, but not give credit for the positive. And so if you decide to talk to your parents at some point about, you know, what happened back then, because I heard you say, you know, you're trying to, like push through it and work through it and get over it. And I think really the only way to really let go of anger and resentment is to forgive them to their face. But what I really learned was you have to start with an apology because otherwise it always sounds like an attack. So if you say like, mom, dad, you know, I'm, I've been, I've been holding on to this story that you didn't believe in me when in reality, I didn't know how you know, certain the vision was going to be like, I didn't know if I could do it. And I just wanted you to be there for me. And I was angry when you weren't able to, I know you wanted the best for me, but I've been living with this anger. And it starts with an apology and it gives them an opportunity to say, we always wanted what's best for you. And I mean, I was crying, my dad was crying. It was like really intense and emotional, but like, I literally feel like I have a better relationship with him in the last 10 days than I've had with him in the last 15 years. And again, I'm only 10 days in. So I'll let you know in another six months, but like, but it was, it was wild. Like, and I always like, so you've watched this journey for me. And in the last nine months, I keep saying nine months, but really the journey has been going on for like a year, but in the last nine months. So since January, remember I went home for Christmas. So I was home for six weeks and then I got home again the second time in May. And so I had a conversation with my dad in January and I had a conversation with my dad in May. So he knew when I went to this class that he was going to get a phone call, like, or I was going to talk to him when I got back, but he knew it was coming for sure. But um, both the conversation in January and in May, I was like, I felt a little bit better, but I didn't feel great, you know? And I was like, I'm so brave. I had these hard conversations with my dad. Like, we're going to like, our relationship is for sure going to be better. And then when it wasn't, I was like really angry with myself and like disappointed that he wasn't more forgiving. But I realize now, like in hindsight, looking at the conversations as an adult, I wasn't really giving, I wasn't, I wasn't taking any responsibility for it at all. Um, And I wasn't really 
like not attacking him. I was still attacking him. I was saying, you know, you did this and it made me feel this way and I still love you and I forgive you, but it was very much still an attack. And so, um, I think to, you know, to really get through that, that was, that was really like difficult to take responsibility for that and to, and to really see things like compassionately from his perspective, because I'd never thought of it that way. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, that's a little bit for you, but really just for my listeners, take with it what you will, if you want to use that. I learned it in my class two weeks ago and I thought it was awesome, so. Yeah, I think that's huge for sure. And like, to go back, just so we don't, I don't want to end the podcast with people thinking like my parents never supported me or nothing like that. Ah, uh, nobody does it's, that. It's, yeah, it's just, you know, obviously we were talking about that moment, my edge of fear, so that's how it was. But obviously, you know, my parents been great um putting me in every position like that's the only reason I was able to do the things I could do you know what I mean so we did actually have a similar promise a conversation to what you just said and you know it was the same thing you know it was like an emotional conversation they're like we only wanted what was best for you and so everything you just said is a hundred percent true and like you said it just takes time you know even though you're 10 days in you already can feel the difference you know what I mean it's just kind of like yes the cloud that will slowly go away and so like you said for me it's still it's still going away now like but it's something we all got to do at some point you know yeah I mean I I realized like the I because I've been I've been telling fucking everybody about this class I'm like everybody needs to take this class it's so awesome it's literally changed my life um I I think my life was like on its way to changing anyway but like now I'm like no, no no this is like real Um, but I think it's so important to just have a conversation like this with your parents because we, we just don't see our parents the way that anybody else sees them. And it's really hard to, like, I think about my, um, my grandfather's funeral, like five years ago. Um, and all the, like, you know, all the men and women that he worked with, the brave, you know, Marines and firefighters that he worked with over the course of his life. And to me, he was like this strong, tough grandpa. Like he was a hardo for sure, but he wasn't like this, like, like risk taking, you know, life risking, like beast of a human. And he totally was. And I never saw that. And these, like the stories that I heard, I'm like, I never saw that. And it's the same thing with our parents. I mean, it's the same thing with everybody. You, you see people in the light that you want to see them in. And if you want to say, this is a fucking superhero, then that's the way that you see them. And if you want to say, this guy's a piece of shit, creep asshole, then that's what you see. Like we, we all are looking through our lenses. Um, but yeah, so lesson, it was awesome. Yeah, I agree. I'm happy you got that, you know, that this feeling of, you know, that gratitude that you can feel. That's why I think you have this glow because you're just, you know, your light within is shining a lot brighter because you're more, you know, in tune with your thoughts and your past and you know where you're headed, you know. So it's, yeah, it's exciting to see. Um, and I think everyone should do that. And like we just spoke about, even, uh, you know, your parents, your friends and your family, it's very important, you know, to be close to them and what they say and what the advice they give you. However, at the end of the day, people have to look within themselves because you're the only person that knows exactly what you want to do. And you're the only person that can make sure that you manifest and you actually do it, you know? So even if your friends tell you 
don't do this, don't do that. You know what I mean? You just got to, you know, in your mind, you know, what's best. So I think end of the day, just take that leap of faith and be, be humble, but be confident. Totally, man. Yeah. Well, thank you for noting that our time is just about up. I didn't realize it. I was like, what do you mean end the podcast? (laughs) Um, You are correct. We have one minute left. Um, So thank you so much. Um, I I know, you know, from the last time we spoke that you had super supportive parents. I did too. I think that this conversation really can't happen until you're an adult and until you've made a bunch of mistakes. Because otherwise I think you would rely too much on what your parents say. Um, So Kids, keep on rebelling and wait until you're 30 to have this conversation. <laughs> and definitely take my advice because I'm the smartest person in the world. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. I'm so excited. Um, where can they find you? On Instagram, on whatever. What do you got? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm on Instagram at Marley. Um, I'll put it in the show. Mo- yeah. I'll put it on the show notes. <laughs> hit me up but yeah i really appreciate it and i'm glad that you're doing this a lot of you know a lot of people will really benefit from it so awesome man good job thank you you. well we'll have you back soon all right i'll talk to you enjoy bali for the day appreciate it take care bye all right so that was my buddy bj thank you guys uh so much for listening i will put all of his information in the show notes as always uh so check it out check out his international sport recruitment website his instagram um and if you are interested in living a life of your dreams talk to us i got you all right my friends see you next time Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find me on Instagram at Liz Without a Pillow. If you loved what you listened to or know somebody that would, please share it. Screenshot the episode in the podcast app, share it to your Instagram story, and tag me. If you'd like to lend your personal support, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be so grateful. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. See you then.